Hi, this is David Yaz of the Boston Podcast Network. We hope you are staying safe, sound, and sane as this year continues to drag on, and we do all that we have to do to get through this pandemic. Well, how about this? If you want to be on a Zoom call that isn't dreadfully boring, please join us for Zoomapalooza, an interactive adventure of fun, games, comedy, and who knows what else. Tickets are absolutely free, or hire us for your next office or corporate event. Just visit pod617.com slash Zoom. That's pod617.com slash Zoom. Now enjoy the following production of pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves, welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave, as the announcer guy just pointed out. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Maybe leave us a review if you're so kind. Well, kids, do you like the Beatles? If you don't, then you're probably a serial killer of some kind. Uh, everybody likes the Beatles, and we have a moment approaching where there's an event marking the 80th birthday of John Lennon. He'd be 80 if he were alive. That's depressing on s- in so many ways. And the two people who are hosting this thing and put this thing together, I have them, the Beatle maniacs themselves, Chachi Lopret and Eric Tarles, and we'll tell you all about them in a minute, but for now, let's just walk into the show. Thank you, thank you. You're too kind. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Very good, Eric. So, Eric is a Beatles archivist. He worked on the film with Ron Howard. That was eight, eight days, days a, a week. Eight days a week. All right. And he's also the host of the podcast, The Beatles Naked, which you can find at thebeatlesnaked.com or wherever you find your podcast. And then my boy, Chachi Lopret. I'm so excited you're on my show for a change because we produce your show here. Get back to the Beatles with Chachi Lopred and Professor David Gallant. Chachi, of course, is the legendary Boston radio producer, late of WBCN, when it was cool and when it was, well, when it still existed, right, Chachi? That is correct, David. And, Ch- and Chachi also hosts Breakfast with the Beatles, his longtime awesome Beatles radio show that's on WUMB in Boston. So, uh, guys, first, I mean, we'll start with you, Eric. John would be 80. I mean, how does it make you feel? Really old because he's uh, 20 years older than me, uh, which means I'm, I must be 60, even though um, after, after Dick Clark died, I became the world's oldest teenager. I got the title from him. So, so oh. it makes me feel old. Uh, it is very, but makes me reflect on, um, uh, it's so weird that he's been gone 40 years and he only lived to be 40. And those 40 years seem to have gone by awful quick to me. Right. So he's been gone just about the same time he was alive. It's crazy. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Chach, how are you feeling? Are you holding up okay? <laughs> I am, but, you know, yeah. but it, it fills me with a lot of what ifs. You know, what if John was with us today? What if he didn't go out to the studio that day in December 8th, 1980? What if, what if, what if? And here we are, you know, today without John Lennon. And uh, it's very sad. And every time, uh, I, I don't get as sad during the birthday. I certainly get sad in December. Uh, but during his birthday time, we celebrate his life and we take a happy approach, but we certainly miss him. The only Beatle I did not meet. Right. 
And um, sadly, that will not come to fruition now, um, uh, you know, unless we're all reincarnated and get to party with the Beatles somewhere. You mentioned the what ifs, Josh. I mean, I'll ask you first, Josh. What truly what if? In other words, when the Beatles broke up circa 1970? Correct. Okay. So the there was speculation of a reunion i i was a young lad but i'm i was old enough to notice that there were calls for the beatles to get together for many reasons i mean in charity i remember there was a big event they wanted to raise money for the boat people there were there were whispers and then of course um john's tragically killed had he not been killed chats would they have gotten back together and in what form do you think it's so hard to say because through the 70s, as the 70s went on, and Eric can elaborate with me on this, they, they all lightened up a bit because they loved each other despite the battles, the lawsuits. And as the 70s went on, John, I think, began to embrace the Beatles. He started to like the Beatles cartoons. And, mm. and you know, as his life, as we all get older, things change, our outlooks change. And with the advantage of time passing, things loosen up a bit and I don't know if they would have had a quote unquote full reunion, Mm. but as Ringo and Paul have done, they would show up at different shows. Paul would show up at Ringo's birthday show at radio city. I think stuff like that might've happened. Certainly John would have embraced social media. He'd be putting out albums. Mm. He would have a relationship with both of his sons. They might've done, you know, uh, they might've performed on John's albums, much like James, uh, Paul's son, you know, played with him on one or two tracks. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know if there would have been a full-fledged reunion, but many mm-hmm. reunions of sorts, I think, might have happened. Eric, what do you think? Well, they already had a bunch of little mini reunions. They, uh, on multiple recordings, like, say, for Ringo especially, they would uh, get three Beatles together on a track. And it was really only because of visa problems, I think. You know, it was getting tough for Paul to get into the country uh, due to his marijuana arrests a couple of times. So um, I think it was the idea of physically all being in one space uh, kept them from doing things. They, they came very close to reunions. I can't reveal everything, but I can tell you one thing. Back in the late 70s, right before John died, uh, all of the Beatles agreed to go after the stage production called Beatlemania. Mm. And uh, there's some paperwork where John Lennon apparently said, well, the reason where we want to shut this thing down is it's going to interfere with a project that we're planning on doing. I think mm. that project is what eventually became Anthology. Wow. And, and I'll, I'll just clarify. I, I don't think the Beatles would have went on tour as, no, a, no, as no. a reunion. You know, many reunions, as Eric said, were happening. But for them to be back on the road as the Beatles, I don't think that would have ever happened. No. Right. And, and which um, lovely Hollywood actress would John have been married to after divorcing Yoko? You know what? Let's not even go. Let's not even uh, go there. I was going to say a supermodel, but John Lennon would not have married a supermodel, right? It's kind of the opposite of what he was about. Um, so, I think he would have married May Pang, I think, okay. if he divorced Yoko. Is she still around? She is. Just okay. spoke with her. As a matter of fact, she's going to be a special guest is on, that right? our, uh, on our uh, Friday night show. Well, well, let's get into that right now. I do have a, a couple of other questions for you folks. And Eric, you've promised uh, before we started recording a Ron Howard story, which I'm looking forward to. But let's talk about the event, lest the, the minutes slip away from us. Across the universe, celebrating the 80th birthday of John Lennon, hosted by you guys. You have musicians playing the music of John Lennon, including Adam Sherman, Corin Ashley, Field Day, Mike Viola. There's a whole list here. And special guests, including Denny Lane, 
reflecting on John's life. It's at the Regent Theater, by the way. Go to regenttheater.com for tickets. And it's coming up in just a couple of days, Friday, October 9th, 8 p.m. Whose idea was this? <laughs> uh, Eric and I work together as a right. team. We've done shows before at the Regent. Uh, it's a little different from we, what we usually do because Eric being a world-renowned Beatles film archivist, in that room that he has his office is mm. filled with so many films and it's mm. a different kind of film. Okay. Mm. It's because Eric, certainly Eric can speak for himself, but uh, he, he searches through the world for years for films that be, that people took in the audience, people who went to a Beatles concert and brought mm. their little film, uh, eight millimeter film project uh, uh, camera, or maybe, you know, audio tape. So he searches far and wide for these clips and he pieces them all together. And so our previous shows have been where, you know, you watch rare unseen films. We took a different approach on this one because of the pandemic. And so, and we, and we can't show these films, you know, virtually. No, because uh, no, they'd be copied immediately. And a lot of times it's, I've worked on other films besides eight days. And so uh, the show we usually do is uh, it's not just people's amateur films. I, I go to great pains to find disused um, news footage. For example, I just came across uh, Chachi knows about this. I've just been digitizing a stash of, of news footage of the Beatles in San Francisco uh, from 1964 that was never never broadcast and it was actually thrown out and uh, this guy I know's mom worked at that TV station retrieved it from the trash and I bought it off him so oh. it was, it's a it's a wonderful uh, journey you just never know where it's going to take you anyway our show is usually that it's usually a bunch mm. of ideas unreleased films and stuff that you know that we that you can't see anywhere else we always bill it as you, you know, you might see a lot of stuff on YouTube. You'll never see this stuff on YouTube. It's never going up there. So That's um, cool. That's cool. You're like the Indiana Jones of, of Beatles memorabilia and footage. Oh, I like that. Which, I'll check that one. <laughs> yes. it, that, that one's for free. And it's more and more difficult, I take it, because the, the obsession of, of Beatle maniacs knows no bounds. And so for you to find these little these little trinkets, these little nuggets that no one else has found. So to be clear, the, the footage that people will see, did you piece together these performances for this specific purpose, this event, or no, they're, they're, these are, are sort of archival as well. Is that right? Oh, no, no. These, these are absolutely for this This was for this. Show. Okay, gotcha. See, we had, we had reserved this date a while ago. Um, we, we had, you know, last winter sometime, we, we booked, okay, we're going to do something on John's 80th. But with the pandemic, we couldn't have enough people in the theater, uh, you know, to really make that viable. Mm -hmm. uh, so we didn't want to, the owners, and meanwhile, of course, the Regent Theater, this amazing old vaudeville theater, 104 years old, mm -hmm. um, is obviously struggling like all theaters are. And the owners, you know, came to us and said, hey, we still got that date. Could we do something virtually? Because we could do something for free, but ask for donations. So right. we're suggesting a $9 donation to help the theater. and. Uh, mm -hmm. So Chachi put then Chachi went wild. He put it together. I I I got some of the interviews together that'll be spicing it up here and there. But it was really uh, Chachi's baby putting all these bands together. He did a hell of a job in a very short amount of time. Well, thank you. And what it is is a bunch of friends. You know, through my thirty nine years in radio, I've met so many local musicians, and I thought of you know who are the best ones that I love to be on a show, and we compiled a great list: uh, Johnny A. 
of course, Sal Baglio from the Stompers, Baron Whitfield, Mike Viola, who's a, a local guy, grew up in Stoughton, played the channel at 14 years old and has went on to do some fantastic things in Los Angeles, singer-songwriter, Grammy-nominated producer, Addie Sun, a, uh, a musician. She was just nominated singer-songwriter of the year for the, at the Boston Music Awards. Bird Mancini, Vance Gilbert, Gracie and Rachel, Corin Ashley, Adam Sherman, Sal and Lola Clemente, Field Day, Sir Rachel, Studio Two, The Beatles Tribute. These are all really great performers, artists, singer-songwriters, creators, and they all have been influenced by the Beatles. Johnny A saw the Beatles at Suffolk Downs. And uh, so we're very excited for the lineup, and they're all picking their favorite John Lennon solo or Beatles songs to perform. Some will be doing them live that night. Oh, okay. Others, others pre-recorded them this week and sent them along. Some will be on with the pre-recorded performance, but they'll be live to introduce them. But they're all made specifically for our show on Friday night. That's fantastic. And you know it's going to be a great show because it's kind of a challenge to each artist to, to do right by, by John Lennon. And it's, I, li- I like that. Now you let them pick which, which song. And how, what about crossover, though? Are we going to hear repeat songs? No. no. Uh, <laughs> we, had, we had one instance. I asked okay. Sal Baglio first. Sal's a dear friend. Mm-hmm. And I called him and said, hey, you want to do this? He, he immediately said yes. He says, I want Strawberry Fields and Rain. Thought that was interesting for a solo performer. And then the next person I called was Johnny A. And he's like, I got to have Strawberry Fields. That's my marquee song. Mm-hmm. So I had to beg Sal to give it up. And he took Happiness as a Warm Gun instead. But no one picks the same songs. It's all different. That's excellent. Sal Bagley, I, there was a moment in time where I was uh, obses- as obsessed with the Stompers as maybe any other band. Wow. And it was one of those, you probably know, Chuch. I don't know why they never really made it big, or maybe they really did in their own minds. They were uh, the Boston band, and I can still hear that uh, rhythmic beat of Don't Ever Tell an Angel When My Heart's on Fire. What a great song that was. At least well, to coast, listen to that over and over again. Yeah, coast, coast, to coast. coast to Coast is, I think, uh, such an anthemic, beautiful track. But you know what? Yeah. what's important? And I know Eric probably can elaborate on this too, but it's all about the producer. You know, if you get a okay. producer that doesn't capture the spirit of the band, then, you know, when you go to see Sal and the Stompers in a club and it doesn't reflect on the record, you know, there's problems there. So I think maybe they had produ- producer issues. I can't speak for them. Right. But things like that can really, you know, tank everything. And get sure. the right promotion behind people. That's another really big yeah. problem. If a record company doesn't get behind a record and really push it and get it out there to well, at least the old distribution network, the way it used to work, that would kill, it killed many a great record. Look what happened to Badfinger. I mean, they had the worst management on the planet. They, they had the Beatles writing songs for them, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it all went very, very sideways for them. So, yep. yeah, I, I think um, that was it. He probably just didn't have the right people behind him. But you know what? Talk about Baron Whitfield. Baron Whitfield and the Savages is this amazing artist in Boston, and he's known all over the world. And and Eric is dear friends with him, and Barron's said yes immediately. But he's he is well known all over the world with like you know I don't know what, what level of success he's had in the states. He, he goes uh, over to London, for example, and he'll be on the Jules Holland show. Jules Holland is essentially like you know um, the Tonight Show, mm-hmm. right? And and he's on TV. I mean, and draws huge crowds. And uh, he's a big star in Spain, for example. He goes over and plays festivals there. And and uh, he, he just actually did some recording in Spain with a symphony orchestra. 
So, but, I mean, he's really, in Europe, he's a big deal. And, you know, in, in parts of the South, I think he, he does very well. But he's sort of just seen as a roots artist. And, mm-hmm. you know, America's a really tough place sometimes. And, but at least he's, he is an incredible performer. And uh, he, his career goes back into the 70s. I, I remember him telling me a story. As, when he was a teenager, his band opened up for Parliament Funkadelic. You can imagine. Ooh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it is a part of the music industry most of us fans don't think about so much is that the, the greatest bands that the bands that make it and achieve greatness are not the only great bands. <laughs> There's so many other reasons. And so we've got these, you know, some of these uh, virtuosos who never see, quite see the light of day to the common, uh, you know, viewer, listener. And yet uh, Hootie and the Blowfish and... Um, Nickelback have huge audiences, so well, yeah. let's not get too cynical here. No, um, no, so not at all. <laughs> I think music is music. You know, people like what they like. I, I, I don't judge any of it, really. I, you know, it's, I know it's very fashionable for people of, of my generation to look down on what the kids are listening to now. I always say it's just not designed for us, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah. nothing wrong with it. All right, Eric, you don't have to back me into a corner. I love Nickelback, okay? I love them. Okay. No. <laughs> I, I actually like a couple of their songs. They're, they're fine. So you got Denny Lane joining you on Friday night. For the, uh, and for those that don't know, what I know about Denny Lane is uh, founder of the Moody Blues, later founded Wings with Paul McCartney. So uh, it sounds like you, you could barely have thought up a, a rock and roll icon better to join you that night. T- tell me about that I don't know who wants to start to well, talk about. Well, one thing about Denny that's kind of ahead, a fun fact that most people don't know is that he opened for the Beatles when he was a teenager. Wow. Uh, he was part of a band called Denny and the Diplomats in, in his native city of Birmingham. <laughs> so he, uh, Denny and the Diplomats uh, opened up for the Beatles in the 63 tour, I think. One of the, one of the 63 tours. It's a great, great name for a band. The, the, you, you hear a great name for a band and it sounds like one of those made up names like in in the all the bands that spinal tap used to be before they turned into spinal tap but yeah. Josh, Josh, you were gonna say something about yeah that? i just i do want to clarify denny is sending a, along a message okay uh he's not performing but you know he's played the regent before and this is a virtual fundraiser for the region you can either watch it from home for a nine uh, a suggested donation of nine dollars number nine number nine mm-hmm. uh and so we reached out to certain people in the beatles uh uh, uh, circle and Denny, uh, and I certainly wasn't going to ask him to perform, but he recorded a message because he played the Regent and it's important to keep places like the Regent open. And uh, so it's a fundraiser for the Regent and he were very happy. He was able to send along a message and he shares recollections of John cause he was friends with John all through that time. And he was with Paul, uh, the day after, um, the next day when they learned that, uh, John had been assassinated. Denny was with Paul uh, mm-hmm. in the studio when that happened. So, uh, so he has a lot to share. So we're looking forward to that. I've been to the Regent more than once. I'm trying to remember the last time I was there. I know I, I saw the ultrasonic rock orchestra perform there. Have you, have you guys ever seen that band? Yes. No. In, yeah. in fact, Sal and Lola Clemente are from uh, ultrasonic rock orchestra. Oh, okay. Hey, now I'm, if I wasn't on board before, I, I sure am now. So once again, go to, go to regiontheater.com for information about um, Friday's event and what a great way to support the region. I'm, I'm, see, I'm trying to remember. I'm looking through my computer. I, could, I, I was, I don't, I'm not sure if it was the region, but it was, a, it was a theater of this size that my, I had a personal, you know, uh, tragedy early in the pandemic, I was looking forward to going to a show that was canceled. It was a screening 
of the movie Spinal Tap with uh, with um, Rob Reiner um, doing uh, Q and A afterwards, and I paid for the VIP meet and greet, and me and my stupid cousins already had figured out which scene from Spinal Tap we were going to recreate and have him in it, you know, and um, fell victim to uh, the, the pandemic as so many theaters, I'm sure, are in the same boat as, as a region, as, and it's it's such wow. a shame. So you're into Spinal Tap. I will tell yes. you, um, I, I was, uh, we had them on BCN once, mm-hmm. and we had all the members of the band, and they were staying at Howard Johnson's uh, Hotel in Kenmore Square, <laughs> and they all hopped in my car, and I drove them to there, and then... Uh, they autographed a, a movie poster for me that I still own. And then we all went to see him at the channel that night. Is that right? I've, I've seen them live and it's, it's a weird mix of the music and comedy. What some people might not realize is they played all the, their own instruments. Like that, that's really their, their stuff. And, and, yep. and an interesting story about their performance at the channel that night, there was a heavy rainstorm. The roof was leaking onto the stage and they had a bucket <laughs> on stage catching the water coming down as they were performing. And that wasn't planned? Not planned. When you, say, when you said you were, they were staying at the Howard Johnson's, I thought that's where the real spinal tap, it's, you know, it's the blur, <laughs> blurring of lines of truth and fiction here. I saw, right. I saw them once at, the, at Great Woods, now, of course, the Affinity Center, but their opening bit was they were lowered down from the rafters on these cables. And, you know, Michael McKeon, as David St. Hubbins, he comes down. And then Harry Shearer, he comes down. And, you know, he's short, of course. And so his feet don't quite make it to the ground. So he's kicking until somebody brings along a, a crate. And then Christopher Guest, as Nigel, he didn't even get halfway down. So he decided he would celebrate it and swing back and forth. A gag, of course. But we digress. We digress. So, um, Eric, we, the time does not permit us to get into your entire career as an archivist of, of, Beatles, of Beatles material. But... Um, give us a couple of remembrances of eight days a week. And you promised me that Ron Howard story. So I'd, I'd love to hear it. Or, well, or, as, or as Eddie Murphy used to call him, uh, little Opie Cunningham. You know. Yeah. Well, I, it's funny. I, I really have, I really think of him as Richie Cunningham because he sounds like, <laughs> him. he just looks like, you know, he looks like Richie Cunningham. He still yeah. does except, you know, older. And, uh, when we were working on the film, I worked on that film for a long time. Ron was actually the second director. It was another, there was a whole other crew. I was the only, one of the only people that survived the purge. So, um, but Ron was working on a film called Inferno at the same time. So every time I was out in Hollywood to work on the film, he was out in Italy doing Inferno. So I really never met him. I spoke to him on the phone, spoke mm-hmm. to his people all the time, met with his people. Um, but one time we did a screening in April of uh, 2016, right before we released the film in New York at a place called Screen on Fifth. Uh, and a very, very exclusive test theater. And we were testing the film. And I got there early, and Ron was there early. So it was just the two of us. We're just kind of standing there. And I, I, I said, went up to him. I said, hi, Ron. We've never actually met, but I'm Eric. And he goes, oh, yeah, I know who you are. And I was like, wow, this guy's really on top of stuff. But uh, <laughs> we got into some of the nuts. He goes right into, okay, well, we're going to study this and see what they like about that. And he, at one point, just looked at me, and he goes, Eric, don't let me F this up. and I froze I'm going Richie Cunningham just swore at me (laughs) that's really what I thought I didn't think of him as Ron I was like wow this is like Ron swearing on TV because he just looks like Richie I thought I was like at a high school reunion and I was waiting where where's Potsy yeah (laughs) so so that is a good question where is Potsy I'm sorry go go ahead Eric he's a master storyteller and uh he did change the direction of the film it was a very different film before Ron got involved and uh 
you know, I think um, it was, it made a lot of people happy. There was a lot of things we could have done that I would have preferred, but in the end, uh, sitting in the audience and watching people go with their old high school friends or family members uh, mm. and really enjoy themselves, it was fantastic. Plus, was plus the other big thrill in my life, I got to sit next to Patty Harrison, my, mm. my boyhood crush uh, at the world premiere. So in London. So that was fantastic too. What was Ron Howard always a huge fanatic of the Beatles or was this I don't think so. No, no, no sir. I, okay. think, I think he was, I think he liked them a lot. He certainly got to meet John Lennon once on the set of happy days. Uh, mm-hmm. John and Julian dropped by. Um, but I think he wanted to learn more about the Beatles and this was a way for him to do it. And he, he, you know, had a, a slightly different, you know, more like looking over everything in their career as opposed to just, uh, you know, he was interested, as he put it, actually, this is, he told this story. I heard him tell this one time. Um, he also made the Apollo 13 film. Sure. And he said he was really interested in, in Apollo 13 in the idea of these three people in a little tiny confined space capsule going way out on an adventure and only having each other. And he said, in a sense, to him, the Beatles were like that. They were like these four guys that only had each other and they're having all these crazy, unique experiences. And what was that like? So when you took the film in that context, it, it really is quite successful. Well, I, I will also add that this is my considered opinion that if it wasn't for Eric Taros, uh, he was very pivotal in this film. It might not have happened. That's my opinion. And uh, Eric does not need to elaborate on it. But I, from what I've seen, uh, he was pivotal in the making of Eight Days a Week. Well, I, I, there's one case study out there you can find that they nearly killed the film in December of 2012. And that's before Ron came aboard. And um, my friend John McEwen, who works with me in film archive work, uh, the two of us flew to London and met with all of the brass at Apple and, you know, and, uh, you know, Jeff Jones and, and all those guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, at the end of a five-hour meeting, they decided to go ahead and greenlight the picture. Eight Days a Week, by the way, is available to stream on Hulu. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Eric. You probably know better than I. But it looks like you can stream it on Hulu or Roku or buy it and put a couple extra pennies in uh, Eric's pocket. And um, <laughs> if, if only, if only I got points. Okay. <laughs> um, well, uh, Chach, what what um, what's next uh, in in terms of you planning this event? You're you're always You've got your finger on the pulse of, you know, Beatles Nation, especially in this area. Whenever Ringo comes to, to town, you're, you're there to greet him. Um, of course, it's a weird time. Is, do you, do you, is this, will you ever stop planning Beatles events and things like this? No, we will never stop planning Beatles <laughs> events. We will continue. This is my life's work now. I focus on my Beatles show, my Beatles podcast on the very famous Boston Podcast Network, and my partner here, Eric Taros, we're on to new adventures. We have a special project we're working on. Hopefully, uh, you know, how long did it take for eight days a week to be made? Uh, a little over eight years. Yeah, let's hope our project doesn't take as long. Uh, <laughs> but we are working on some very special stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you, you, we couldn't go by October 9th without doing something in memory of John Lennon. And so... Uh, you know, the next big thing to let it be will be out in another year or so, and we'll see what that's like. And and life goes on, but the Beatles music will never end, much like Beethoven. People are going to love it uh, forever and ever. Well, I'm on board. And we're going to play a quick round, if you guys will stick around for a few more minutes, of Wicked Smart, the quiz game we play occasionally on the show when I feel like it. I'm going to play some Beatles cover songs, that is, famous covers of Beatles songs, and I'll let the gentleman 
see if I can stump them on who it is that has tried to pay proper tribute to the Beatles. Uh, before we do that, uh, let me tell you about what we do here at pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Would you like your own podcast? Would you like to be the next big podcast star, much like Eric on The Beatles Naked or like Chachi on Get Back to the Beatles here at Pod 617? Go to our website to get started. We'll ship a microphone out to you. You can do the whole thing remotely. Or if you're brave enough, we've sanitized the place here in our Westwood studios. You can come in at any rate. Pod617.com is where you go to get started, the Boston Podcast Network. In pod, we trust. Before we play the game, I'll ask what is the hardest question of them all. I, was just, I do a, a podcast with my buddy, Milt. We call it Past Tens, and we go back in time and pick a top 10 uh, list on the Billboard charts for the week, and we analyze. And whenever the Beatles comes up, I, I get um, the exasperated is not the right word, but almost sort of um, speechless when I try to put into words how they could have done what they did in the short amount that they did as compared to other bands. Is there any, is, let me, I, I guess I'll narrow the question a little bit. If I say, how do they do it? It's, that's like, you know, why does a rose smell like a rose, I guess. But has anyone come close? Eric, I'll start with you on that one. I think um, if I had to say, how did they do it? They were amazing synthesists. They took anything that was lying around and instantly used it um, to their advantage. They were incredibly honest and incredibly true to themselves. Now, what does that mean? They never did anything that they really didn't want to do. Uh, they weren't too bothered by what trends were. Um, I mean, they certainly worked their rear ends off and were willing to be booked and to do tons of theater work as they did. Uh, but I think that there was an incredible... Uh, joining of talent as well. You had four very individual geniuses in a sense. And I do consider Ringo part of that because he influenced so many different people and he was the perfect drummer for that band. If you listen to that band with Pete Best, I love you, Uncle Pete. You're, he's a great guy, <laughs> very different band. So yeah. I, I think it was just, a, it was like an act of God or something that they came together and they just were fearless and true to themselves and incredibly talented. It's like lightning striking four times in the same spot at the exact same time. It's got to Chach, how about you? Well, I agree with Eric, of course, and they were true to themselves. I mean, very early on, you know, they finally get a potential deal with George Martin producing, and George wanted them to do a song called How Do You Do It? And any other band would have said, oh, yes, Mr. Martin, we'll do it. But John and the Beatles said, no, we will not do that song. We want to do our own song. We don't, that song doesn't fit what we do. And they stood you know, true to themselves. George Martin still said, okay, no problem. Gave it to Jerry and the Pacemakers, became a big hit. Mm. But uh, you know, they were true to themselves and they absorbed everything around them. That's why their songs are so vastly different. And it could be about candy that Eric Clapton was eating. It could be mm -hmm. about, you know, seeing a Kellogg's cornflakes commercial, you know, they, they absorbed everything around them and put it in song and lyric. And I don't think anyone else has done that quite as good. You talk about the variance of styles a lot on your podcast, Chach, I know. And if it just, just in the white album alone, when I remember listening to you and your colleagues break it down, it could go from funny to fanciful to deathly serious within a couple of tracks. And it's just, I don't think anyone's done it or probably won't since. Now, the, the or will not in the future. 
the event, though, is in the future. It's on Friday. Across the Universe, celebrating the 80th birthday of John Lennon. With Eric and Chachi, again, go to regentheater.com. Support your local theaters. All right, before they go, I'll make them do a quick round of Wicked Smart. Oh, wait a second now. When you say Wicked Smart, do I have to answer in my Boston accent? Yes. (laughs) And and I would like to say, Eric, it's very nice that Mr. Yaz has done some homework and uh, created this contest. Yes, very little. But 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 anyway, now I I will ask you two veteran podcasters and radio guys to not step on the intro to the segment, please. Here it is. All right. That was the intro? Yeah, that's the intro. I thought I I heard Fredo in there. He is in there. It's Fredo. It was Fredo saying, I'm smart. And then... (laughs) And then it was Casey Affleck saying, my boy's wicked smart. So you did anticipate that, Eric. So I'll give you credit for that. Yes, bonus points if you answer in a Boston accent. Chachi, we'll, we'll start with you. Or, I mean, I guess you guys can shout it out, but it's... it's oh, no, no. Right. How about if, if whoever is supposed to get it doesn't, then the other one can come to his rescue. There you go. All right, Chachi's up first with this one. Take a listen. Yesterday. Ray Charles. There you go. So Wait, I got to ring you in here. Okay, well done. Wow. Excellent shot. Yeah, that's a, a pretty easy one, I guess. But, but you, don't hear, you don't hear it a whole lot, Ray Charles singing yesterday. All right. Um, Mr. Charles, you're up next. Here we go. It's gonna be. Uh, is that Otis? Otis Redding? No. Close though. Oh boy! I don't know. All right, Chat, You want to take a guess? Well, it's it's, geez, it's not. Sounded so much like o- Otis to me. Uh, uh, Brooke Benton? <laughs> no. Uh, legend. This is a legendary R and B guy. He used to sing late at night often. You might say. A terrible hint. Sorry. Wilson Pickett. Wilson Pickett. With oh, him. Wilson. Oh, yeah. right. That was easy. Yeah. I should have guessed. Now I can hear it. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. We'll go, we'll go back to you, Josh. Yeah, we got the feeling now. We got the feeling now. Shut up, Green. All right. That's that, oh, I, I can't give you this one because he, he just said his name in the opening. I, didn't know I did not happen. hear it. All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Is that Al Green? Very good, Chuck. Al, Al Green's version of I Want to Hold Your Hand. Wow. Is that what I was trying to do? Where the hell is he going with that? Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, I, I, I admit I've never heard that one before. I just I just scared it up, and I kind of like what he did with it. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you like when they change the when they, you know, when they change the motif, I guess. Uh, let's see. Yeah, this one might be a little easy, but Eric, uh, that's okay. You I take need it. easy. Okay. Uh, easy. Stevie is right. That is, I think that is the best Beatles cover. I've always said that. I love that. We can work it out. Yes. Yeah, it we, is we actually can, an excellent one. He really it? made it his own. Yeah. 
Yeah, the the um, I'm reminded of. Actually, I don't know why I'm reminded of it. Maybe because there are a lot of bad Beatles covers. The 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 odious movie, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Oh, maybe you guys like it. I don't know. But but <laughs> there were like two decent covers that came out of that. And now I'm trying to... Oh, oh I think well, we'll I Come Together by Aerosmith was good. That's right. That was one of them. And then the other one, which for some reason I confused with... Um, Got to get you into my life. Uh, maybe ah, because yes. it's same same genre as Earth, uh, Wind Steve. and Fire. Yeah, I was That's say, right. Earth, Wind and Fire did a nice cover of that. I forgot it was in that movie. Yeah, and most people have forgotten the movie. So there you go. All right, we'll do <laughs> maybe we'll do maybe two more. This one's hard, Chach, but I'm gonna let you have a whack at it. Here we go. Oh, I know. Oh uh, yeah. I think. I think it's Susie and the Banshees. It is, but you, wow. that's, that's almost Chachi's turn. But all right, oh, that's, well, I'm sorry. I'm, oh, that's I okay. I would right, never Josh, have got it. I would never have got it. Yeah, that's a good pull, Eric. Susie and the Banshees with uh, your prudence. Yeah, that's right. We're not keeping score here, by the way. So you guys are friends. I don't want to cause a rift. But uh, Chachi, we'll give we'll give you this one. Hold on. We got a cacophony going on here. All right, here we go. They're almost in the same echelon as the Beatles in terms of greatness. Just ask them and they'll tell you. <laughs> British band? That's a hint. Oh, uh, yep. Oasis? There you go, Chad. Very good. Oh, I wouldn't have recognized that one. Yeah, I barely did myself. No, it was the hint. That yeah. yeah, yeah. The hint. The hint was the. Yeah, that was a good hint. Yeah. Any, any, uh, and we we uh, we're up against the clock here. So thank you for playing, guys. You both won. Congratulations. Yeah, thank, yeah. You very much. thank you very much. Thank you very much. Peace and <laughs> peace and love. We both passed the audition. And uh, do you, do you actually have you could chat? You mentioned the the best uh, Stevie being the best Beatles cover. Is there another one that you like? I'll ask you both. Not really. I don't. I don't. Uh, I, I don't really necessarily like Beatle covers. Like you can't make something greater than it already is. Oh, I, I, now wait I a minute! Have, didn't didn't the Beatles cover more than one song and make it their own? They did. They Beatleized a, a number of songs early in their career, which right. boosted the income of those songwriters. Uh, but <laughs> I, I don't think it reverses. I don't think in reverse it works just as well. All right, Chach has spoken. How about you, Eric? I have a couple. Um, one of my favorites is uh, right when he left Genesis, Peter Gabriel did a, a, a version of Strawberry Fields Forever with the uh, London Symphony Orchestra, I think it was. Mm. And it was on the soundtrack to a very obscure film called All This and World War II. Mm. Uh, and my, I think my absolute favorite Beatles cover, though, was by, a kind, at these days, a very obscure band um, called Monsoon, an English band. And they did uh, Sheila Chandra, the lead singer, Mm -hmm. um, who was the first Asian woman to have a number one record in, um, in the UK. She did a follow-up to her number one, which was called Ever So Lonely, which was sort of a sideways tribute to George Harrison. Mm. She did a cover of Tomorrow Never Knows, and it is fantastic. Hmm. Wow. That's a, a nice deep pull for our listeners, and uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, writing, I'm writing it down right now so I don't forget. Um, in fact, uh, is this the recording you're referring to? Here we go. 
Yep. Yep. Just wait till she the, the drums kick in on that is amazing. It's, it's an amazing song. We will. Nice we'll, we'll go out with this version of Tomorrow Never Knows as mystical and charming as it sounds. Well, guys, I hope you had fun. This um, did. Anytime I get to talk Beatles, I love it. Not as much as you guys, but nevertheless. Eric Taros, Chachi Lopret, make sure to listen to their respective podcasts, The Beatles Naked, and also get back to The Beatles with Chachi. Go to regentheater.com across the universe. It's the event this Friday night. Thank you, boys. Thank David, you, David. Cheers. I would like to thank you for housing my Beatles podcast on the Boston Podcast Network. <laughs> there you go. Cha-ching. Your five bucks is in the mail, Chachi. Thank you. <laughs> Peace and love to you both. Peace and love, everybody. Thank you. See you, Eric. See you later, Bye-bye. David. See you, guys. And thanks for listening to the Boston Podcast. Everyone, if you like this show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. If you want your own podcast, go to pod617.com. On behalf of Chach and Eric, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Peace, everybody. Go listen to some Beatles. <laughs> <laughs>